Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two and a half years, 175 games, 941 days. He's back! Number 11, Clay Thompson! I got goosebumps. He's earned, deserved, all that welcome back to the court moment, and that was special. I did not know I was going to dunk on somebody first game back. That's all good, so hooray for me. Whole time here, Clay was at perfect knees and the kids. I don't remember dunking like that. I'll never forget this night, just to be able to go out there and shoot the ball, play defense, compete. Gosh, it was fun, and it was worth every single day of being away and in that squat rack or on that shuttle, shuttle board. And all the conditioning days, it was worth every single moment. And I'm not going to say equivalent to winning a championship, but, man, it was pretty freaking close. Public announcer after 941 days, Clay Thompson is back. And that electricity, that Bay Area hyphy, it was rippling around Chase Center hours before tip off. And I saw folks outside with Clay jerseys at 1 in the afternoon. Remember, the game didn't tip off till 5 30, and you just saw it when he walked out to warm up. The energy was like it was game time already. And there were so many memorable moments from last night. The introductions, the dunk, the standing ovation as Clay was walking off of the court. But sitting in his press conference after the game, you heard him. Clay was emanating joy. And at its core, Sunday night, the return of Clay, that is what sports is all about. It was smiles, it was goosebumps, and a celebration that was felt around the league. So welcome to NBA Today, and welcome back. Clay. I am joined now by two-time WNBA All-Star Chanae Agumake and 14-year NBA vet Matt Barnes, the host of, or the co-host of All the Smoke podcast. Guys, we've got to get to the room where it happens. We need to go to Chase Center. Let's get to the highlight in San Francisco because the Warriors, they were taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers and it was Clay Day in the Bay. 941 days as I mentioned. Clay Thompson was fired up to be back. And Steve Kerr said that he actually didn't drop the first play of the game for Clay to shoot. He drew it up for the ball to go through Clay and keep it moving. But he said he should have known better because then this happened, Shanae. All of his teammates knew the assignment, but this right here was the play of the night. I mean, what? Coming back from injury and dunking in your first game back crossover on two defenders. Welcome back, Clay Thompson. And what's that face? It's not this, it's not the stank face. What is it? That's a this face in the Bay Area, right? Well, we know it. His face. <laughs> and then that in a minute. He hits his hits his first three of the night. He had seven points in the first half. He says, you know, this is what I do. I'm picking it up right where I left off. So then we head over to the third quarter today. Yeah, I mean, this is his back, too, the mid-range. But I just love the joy he played with. And, of course, we're going to get his signature three-point shot, baby. And he was hitting those when it mattered, too. Look, look how excited he is. He is literally frothing at the mouth. He can't contain himself. Another three on the way. It's good. Warriors win in Clay's return. 
And the game ball, it was delivered to Clay by Cannon Curry. Great pass. Steph's son. And then Clay had to post on social media and troll a little bit, saying that he already has better vision than his dad. But, Janae, <laughs> I do want to start with you here. Overall, looking at Clay's performance, how would you grade his return? Well, the only grade uh, letter that I know is A. So I'm going to give Clay Thompson an A for his return. And, you know, normally it's the Bay Area, but last night was Clay Area. <laughs> Everyone was hyped to see how he would look. And as a player that's not coming back from just one, but two injuries to score on that first possession, that's cute. But to dunk like we saw just there, that's legendary. And that's exactly the Clay Thompson we know. Again, no other player in the Warriors so far this season besides Clay last night had the highest root usage rate than Clay. Like it's it's everyone knew that this was going to be his night and I loved after the game how he was like oh you know like uh, 18 shots 20 minutes yeah I'm back so <laughs> it was very special to see not only someone that we all love return but someone who has dealt with so much deliver on the highest stage yeah you love to see players fight through adversity and obviously Clay's probably the most likable guy in the league you know what I mean so it's always fun to root for someone like Clay the Bay Area needs to make whatever day yesterday was officially clay day of like it has to be an official day but uh my grade for him is an a plus you know i wasn't so much worried about the points he scored i looked at his aggressiveness the way he attacked the basket i can't speak for my i can always speak for myself but i was nervous for clay until he because the first play he went to the basket got bumped i was worried about the landing then once he dunked it and kind of landed, i was like okay clay's back and then from there activity scored from all three levels uh knocked the shot down was dunking even when he got to the paint, didn't find something, he sat down, pivoted, and made the right play, active on defense. Um, it's just a better NBA when Clay's playing. Well, it's funny you say that because when Clay Thompson was sat down looking at his stat sheet, he wasn't thrilled with his plus minus, but he said that the fact that he could sit there and he look could take a look <laughs> at and critique his own game, just that he was excited for. You said something, though, that I'm interested in, Matt. You talked about the fact that Clay Thompson is universally loved, and Steve Kerr was asked about that last night, about why he thought potentially that was. Why do you think everyone resonates with this return? He's just a good guy. He's super transparent. What you see is what you get with Clay, um, on and off the court. Someone who loves his dog. Someone who loves to to be on boats. Uh, you know, someone that loves the game of basketball. And you've never heard anything bad, whether a teammate, opponent, say anything bad about Clay. It's just always, you know, that's Clay. Clay's, you know, he's a great guy. So again, probably the most liked guy right up there with Damian Lillard uh, in the NBA, as far as just getting respect from you know, his counterparts and being loved. Well, and as he was walking off the court, he said, "This is only the beginning." Do you think now that Clay Thompson is with the Warriors, now that he is back, what does that do to elevate this team, Janae? How special is it that he can say this is the beginning, knowing that, you know, a couple years back, this was the new dynasty of the NBA. And this is new life for them. This is a team that right now is currently tied for number one in the NBA, 30 and nine. And they just got their, you know, perennial all-star shooter that can only make Steph Curry's looks even better. Tag teaming with a most improved type of candidate in Jordan Poole, uh, like everything is all about, you know, energy, development, you know, whatever the Bay Area has, you just want to bottle that up for a franchise, not only just for what they have done and meant for the sport, but more importantly, how those guys treat one another when they play Draymond as well. It's just a very, very special place. And you just felt that yesterday. And one thing I'd like to add is uh, I think the addition of Andrew Wiggins and him kind of figuring out who he is an NBA player, I think this is the best Andrew Wiggins we've seen. And everyone's mm. question was, Clay's lateral movement. We didn't have to see much of it last night, but we know Andrew Wiggins is someone who could be a lockdown 
counterfeiter, and he can take the best wing uh, offensive player until Clay feels like his legs are right. So there's no real rush. It's just Clay getting his cardio back, getting his legs back, and there's really no pressure just to go out there and play every night. And that's a good point because before it used to be Clay Thompson taking yes. the top two-way guy, you know, knocking down threes, but then guarding that big guy on the six-seven wing on the other team. But I think. You know, the Warriors and their, their process with, you know, strength, conditioning, training, they need to be commended because there are points where, you know, athletes feel like they want to go out there earlier, right? Instead, they're like, all right, Christmas Day may not happen. A week or two into January, that's better for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's those small windows of two to three weeks that, that can change everything when it comes to someone's future, especially coming back from injury. Your girl knows about this. Well, and Steve Kerr said that they do need to continue to figure out their rotations because they didn't have Draymond Green last night. We'll get into that. Well, for a second. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> into that in just a moment, but there's still something to figure out and to be said there. But Clay said, I asked him, I was sitting in the press conference after the game, I asked him about their pursuits and what he feels now that he is back. And he said, well, at the beginning of the season, we all sat down, we wrote down our goals, and all of our goals were to win a championship. And now he sees how he fits into that pursuit. I do want to talk a little bit more about Clay's debut with senior NBA writer for the undefeated Mark Spears. Mark, we were both in the building last night. What stood out to you most during Clay Day? Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Man, when he walked out on the floor with his hands up in the air, it was it was like something of a movie when he went to shoot pregame. DJ D Sharp was playing Welcome Back by Mace. And then Clay grabs the ball, the crowd's going crazy. Like first six shots, right? You were there, Malika, watching this. I'm like, oh, confidence is there. His swag is still there. I'm nervous. And, and it, it, was, it was quite amazing from even the beginning of the game that he takes this layup. He makes a layup over Jared Allen, one of the best shot blockers in the league. He dunked over two calves. And I think the thing that really helped him a lot, I talked to his agent, Greg Lawrence, is that he listened to Kevin Durant. Mm. You know, Clay said, and you heard it after the game, that he probably came back too early. He was playing in downtown Los Angeles, playing in all these pickup games. Matt might have been there and seen some of it, and that's where he tore his Achilles. Now, this time around, he talks to Durant, and Durant said, man, do not come back until you're absolutely ready. Wait, take your time, don't rush it, and you saw the result of it last night. And it seems contagious, right, around the team. So how did Clay's return impact his teammates? Well, I'm sure nobody was happier than Stephen Curry. He, Steph had struggled the previous two games, only scoring a total of 23 points, uh, despite being great for most of the season. But with Clay back... You know, how are you going to double Steph now? How are you going to just make your defense all about Steph now? You can't. You, you have an all-star on the perimeter with him. So you go back to the Warriors being the offensive threat that they were before, but also Steph gets a, and the Warriors get an addition of Clay back on defense. Now, you would think that would perhaps be the thing that he would struggle the most with, but he said he felt strong. He felt good defensively. The Warriors limited the Cavs to 82 points, I believe which was a season low, which is great. 
Uh, but in these next couple games, you know, Steph and Clay are going to be tested defensively, especially Clay with Memphis, the Bucks, Chicago, Minnesota going up. So I, we know what Steph and Clay can do uh, offensively, but I'm curious to see how Clay stands up defensively these next couple of games. Clay Thompson, Kevon Looney, and Draymond Green are the backbones, right? Partly of their defense. Yeah. So Draymond was a late scratch from the game. He started to celebrate Clay, and then he immediately checked out after tip, and then he didn't play in the rest of the game as he was dealing with a calf issue. So what's the latest on his calf? Uh, texted with Draymond after the game. He said it wasn't a big issue. He's fine. Uh, but he said, look, it was important for me to be back there with Clay. I waited three years for this moment. If he had to just walk out there in pain, which he did, <laughs> he was going to do it. And I think a lot of people don't understand how close these two guys are. When when Clay broke his, uh, I mean, tore his ACL, Draymond was at his house the next day with a pack of dominoes and some cards, playing games with him, getting his, uh, you know, trying to take his mind off the injury. And also when. Clay got hurt playing pickup ball. Draymond was supposed to be there that day, but he and his wife Hazel actually were planning to fly on a vacation, and he didn't make it. And Draymond to this day still feels guilty for not being there when Clay tore his Achilles and, and feels like if he would have been in the building, perhaps that wouldn't have happened. Well, he certainly showed up, and really all of the Bay Area showed up for Clay Thompson last night. Mark Spears, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. We have so much more NBA Today coming up. John Morant, he had one of the craziest, do you even call it blocks? Block? Like what, what, what was it? Was it a block? Was it a steal? Bleal. You've ever seen. It was a bleal. And then Kyrie Irving will play tonight with the Nets on the road. How is the part-time experiment working for Brooklyn? Plus, we're not done talking about Clay Day. Ramona Shelburne joins us to give us the Warriors' plans for him moving forward. That was probably the best block I've ever seen in my life. Trying to, you know, block the shot, stop him from scoring and secure the ball at the same time, and it worked out perfect for me. Boy, he was head so far above the rim, I believe his hands were at the top of the box. We got Rockets in his calf muscles. The most bloody guard in the league by far. Now I'm probably all over the internet for it. Honestly, we can't see that block enough. We were debating this in the newsroom. Is it is it a block? Is it a steal? I mean, either way, it was just incredible. And we just heard a lot of accolades, but Frank Vogel might have summed up the best when he said that was just a special play by a special player. And that play was just one of the many, 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 many highlights Jaw has had in Los Angeles this year. So in the same game, Morant showed off those rockets in his calves again, mm. skying to finish the alley-oop pass from Desmond Bain. And Ja finished with 16 points in the Grizzlies I have the room. over the Lakers. And then, cast your minds way back in October against the Lakers. Ja finishes with an acrobatic up and under. Jelly Malika. Anthony Davis. That is the definition <laughs> of jelly. And Kent Bazemore, too. He's averaging 24.7 points per game this season. So, back with Shanae and Matt. So, Ja was the star of this show and star of... So many games this season. I mean, just a human highlight. But Memphis, they've won eight straight games. So, Chanae, how dangerous, nine straight games, excuse me, how dangerous is this team? 
I mean, that play summarizes why they've been extremely successful, especially in this win streak. The Memphis Grizzlies have done it with defense. And I want to show you this. Producer Cesar had some numbers that we discovered. They're first in rebounds per game average, first in steals per game average, first in blocks per game. Their defense has held them down. It's been really impressive how they've really, I mean, but are we surprised Memphis, you know, the nitty gritty, the dirty? Right. They do the dirty work. But also, it's another D, development, the development of their young stars. I mean, what can be said about Ja, what he's been able to do so far leading his team. And then you've got Jaron Jackson Jr. who's living up to the potential we all knew as a long, lanky, off-the-dribble type of post-scorer that can stretch it out. And Desmond Bank, I mean, going from about seven points per game to now 17, that type of collective growth on both ends of the floor has been instrumental to them. And that's where they're, like, at the top of the standings, surprisingly. So now you said something interesting, development. Normally it's going to be growing pains and struggling while you're developing. These guys are developing and winning. And I think that's very important. This is a very dangerous team, and if things kind of stick to the way they are, I couldn't imagine what the second round Golden State versus Memphis will look like oh. if things stay the way they are. But this is a young, hungry team that plays hard on both ends of the ball. And anytime you play hard on both ends of the ball, all those stats you just pointed out, Janae, those are all hustle. you got to want to rebound. you got to want to get steals. you got to want to... Um, uh, Whatever the, the third one was. Win. But that's all, that's, that's all effort stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? So offensively, they got a three-headed monster with uh, Morant. Brooks obviously out with a sprained ankle, but we know what he, he kind of made a name for himself in the playoffs last year. And then uh, Desmond Bain, uh, huge improvements on uh, both ends of the ball. So he just makes his team that much stuff. This is a very deep team, five guys averaging double figures. And this is a scary team that no one, including the Warriors, want to see in the playoffs. This is a, a very good team. And... and I'll say this, I hope that it works out for John Moran to make his first uh, NBA All-Star because his numbers are there, the leadership's there. We just know how tight the West is. Yeah, it's hard to see that <clears throat> not coming, though. Like, it feels right. like, oh like, yeah. was it a block or was it a steal? <laughs> I mean, I know how it was registered, but... It was just incredible. I don't even know what you want to call it, but the lot... I mean, half block, just, half steal, all incredible. His armpits on the backboard. You know, he's a guard. <laughs> like, it's crazy to think how high he's jumping on the lobs and the blocks. This kid's incredible. Armpits on the backboard. Well, <laughs> that visual. Happy going to host the Warriors tomorrow night. That is going to be an exciting game, but... The Grizzlies are going to be without their second leading scorer, Dylan Brooks. So Brooks is averaging 18.4 points per game. Remember, he rolled his left ankle in Saturday's win versus the Clippers. And then yesterday, senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Brooks is expected to miss three to five weeks. And he could remain sidelined for a little while. So, speaking of Adrian Wojnarowski, he joins me now in studio. And Woj will be here for the entire week, bringing you news from around the NBA. But, Woj, let's start with Dylan Brooks. Just how big of a concern is this injury for Memphis? Well, listen, it's a significant ankle sprain, Malika. And, you know, like we reported yesterday, three to five weeks, but they haven't ruled out the possibility they could just sit him through the All-Star break in mid-February. But what you've seen with this Memphis team is, listen, their depth and the way their bench has performed, the way their young players have developed, it gives them the ability to allow Dylan Brooks to heal, get better. Listen, their second leading scorer this year certainly has become an elite defender for them. Uh, but they'll get him back, and this is a team that you saw without John Morant barely lost the game. Right. So we're also just about a month away from the NBA trade deadline. So what are the Grizzlies' plans as we approach that February 10th deadline? I mean, Malika, they love this roster right now, and I think it would take something, uh, a pretty unique opportunity for them to do anything dramatic. There's always some things around the edges, but with Memphis, watch this summer when they may have as much as $20 million in cap space mm. and potentially three first-round picks. 
And so how do they uh, maneuver that? You know, on the, at, when it comes to the draft, can they use picks and players to maybe move up if there's a player they really want uh, up high and having that cap space? So this is a team that's really set up well for the future. They got a point guard who's coming up on his rookie uh, extension this summer. You can bet that's going to be a very quick open and shut yeah. negotiation for John Moran. Absolutely. Yeah. And we did see some moves be made yesterday that you reported Bull Bull to the Pistons for a second round pick and Rodney Magruder. So what went into this deal, Woj? Yeah, there's, there's always so much interest in Bull Bull yeah. and what is going to happen with him. Listen, I think for Denver, he just never really earned the trust of that coaching staff, and they're not in a development mode really right now in Denver. This is a team that wants to win. They're hoping they can get Jamal Murray back, Michael Porter Jr., uh, perhaps both even this year they, they're hopeful for, uh, but certainly moving forward, Bull Bull will go into restricted free agency this summer. I think you know for Denver, for Tim Connolly, their president, I think to give Bull Bull a chance to go somewhere, get an opportunity to play, because it wasn't in Denver, and for Detroit, Listen, they're in uh, certainly a rebuild mode, and you're going to see them continue to take flyers on young players like Bull Bull, see if they can uh, you know, develop them, maybe catch lightning in a bottle. He is skilled, and you've seen some flashes with him, and he's very unique at 7-2. Uh, but he'll get a chance to show, I, I think, play some more consistent minutes in Detroit then we're going to be available to him with the Nuggets. He's skilled. We could see him develop a little bit more. And we know that fans, Woj, they love Bull Bull. Thank you so much for spending a Thanks little bit like of time it. with us on NBA Today. And speaking of Memphis, they are part of our Friday doubleheader. Warriors Bulls gets it started at 7.30 Eastern, followed by the Mavs and the Grizzlies. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. Coming up on NBA Today, what's next for Kawhi Leonard? Ramona Shelburne provides us with an update in the next segment. And with Klay Thompson back in the mix for the Warriors, are you taking Golden State or are you taking the field right now? Plus, coming up, it is the best of the best from the weekend. The top of the top. You're watching NBA Today. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Let's go coast to coast with this weekend's action, starting with the Mavericks, who snapped the Bulls' nine-game winning streak on Sunday behind Luka Doncic's triple-double. Dallas has now won six straight games. And then we're going to also stick in the East because another team is cruising. The Raptors, they beat the Pelicans, and they also won their sixth straight game. And Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet has been rolling. He had another 30-point game with a season-high eight three-pointers. And, you know, since we're talking about streaks, the Sixers, they beat the Spurs on Friday. That's also their sixth straight win. I'm sensing a little bit of a theme here. Joel Embiid has dropped 30 in each of those games. So he joins Wilt Chamberlain and Allen Iverson as the only Sixers uh. to ever do that. So now joining me to talk a little bit more on some of those topics is our senior writer, Ramona Shelburne. Ramona, thank you so much good for hanging with us on NBA Today. It's always good to see you. So Ramona, what's led to Joel Embiid's 30-point streak here? Well, he's healthy. I mean, that flat out, that helps a lot when you're healthy. And he came into the year and he was feeling great. And then the first game of the year, he knocks knees with Jonas Valanciunas and has a knee injury that plagues him for the first month of the season. Then he gets COVID and he's out for a couple of weeks there, took some time to ramp back up. But that time that he was out with COVID, he told me over the weekend, he said that actually allowed his knee to get healthier. And so when you see him out there, like the only way he was ever going to get better with the knee injury was to rest it. Well, 
It wasn't the way he wanted to rest it, but it gave him that time to, right. to start feeling well, you better. You can't talk about silver linings with COVID, yeah. but if there is one, maybe you can point to that. It's yep. also hard to talk about the Sixers and not mention Ben Simmons. Yep. Is there anything new on the Ben Simmons front? Well, as we sit here today on January 10th, we are one month away from the trade deadline, Malika. And there's not much going on right now. It's obviously going to ramp up as we get closer to the trade deadline. But the Sixers are in a position where they feel comfortable if they can't find the trade that they're looking for, where they return an all-star caliber player for Ben Simmons. They're comfortable not trading Ben Simmons before that deadline, keeping him on the roster, and then potentially bringing him to hope them hope they can come back and play for him this year. Now, there's a month. They have a month to get this done. Um, and you expect trade interest to ramp up as we get closer to that deadline. But they're, they're in a position now where they are sending the signals they're sending are we're comfortable not doing anything if we don't have the, two, if the trade we want. February 10th, I have that date circled on my <laughs> calendar. But a theme of what we were yep. just talking about is win streaks. And the Raptors, they Ooh. have now won six in a row. So what's changed for them? You know what? They're healthy, and they're playing the lineup that Masai Ujiri has always wanted to try with a, with a team, which is just a bunch of tall guys out there, 6'8", 6'9". They can all guard 1 to 5, and one tough, strong guard in Fred Van Vliet. He told me he wanted to play this back when he was in Denver, when they had Kenyon Martin and Andre Miller was that big guard. Now they have Fred Van Vliet as that big guard. And it's an interesting matchup for everybody who goes against them because you have a 6'8 guy guarding your center but also guarding your point guard. Mm. And it's switchy, they're athletic, the guys love playing that way, and they're healthy. And it's interesting right now, right? Because up in Toronto, the rules are a little bit different. Yep. So we're seeing that they don't have crowds. They have friends yeah. and family more similarly to the bubble. And that's an adjustment for players. We also know that if you cross the border and then mm -hmm. you get COVID, you're going to be there for a while. And so some teams, yeah. they're not traveling their best players yep. because they don't want to be in that kind of sticky situation. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't take away from the fact that the Raptors, though, they have still yep. won six straight. So Lastly, Ramona, we haven't seen Kawhi Leonard since the second round of the playoffs mm -hmm. last season. So is there any update on how his rehab is going? Well, his rehab is going great. From all accounts, he looks great on the court. And, the, and he looks like he's in a position where if, if, the, if he's feeling right at the right time, he passes all the benchmarks, there's a chance he returns this season. And everybody who sees him, they, they, they try not to get too excited, right? Like there's this sense like, man, Kawhi looks great. He looks like he can play right now. But every time I, I call and check on it, the, the answer is always with an ACL, you want to be extremely careful. So even if you look good, if you feel good, you still have to hit those benchmarks. And so there's a chance, but the Clippers have been having a, a rough time without Paul George lately. They, Absolutely. And, and I think as we get further into the year, the, the question has to be asked, should you rush that back? Should you should you get Kawhi back this year? Should you push Paul George to come back from that elbow injury? And I, and they're in that spot right now where even though Kawhi looks great, they'll have to make the decision. Well, they on. have an interesting benchmark coming up tomorrow against the Nuggets. That is going to be an interesting game. Ramona, yep. thank you so much for Thanks, joining Michael. us and for your reporting. And speaking of comebacks, coming up on NBA Today, Kyrie Irving, he's back on the court tonight. So is this part-time experiment, is it working for the Nets? Keep it locked. You're watching NBA Today. years, 175 games, 941 days. Here he is. I think he's healthy. Good look at a three. There it is. First dunk, first three. Been a while on the sidelines watching. Now it's time to play. I ain't got no other options. I'm just so grateful to be out here in the love I received this tonight. I will never forget. So Clay made a little bit of history last night in his return. He became the second fastest player in NBA history to make 1,800 three-pointers. And Clay did it in 616 games. The only one faster 
is his teammate Steph Curry. So I spoke to Steph after the game. Take a listen. Steph, you have officially been reunited with your Splash brother. What was that moment, that feeling like? It was special. Uh, I had goosebumps before the game, you know, the start lineup and the crowd's reaction. Clay's been a big ball of energy these last, like, you know, seven, ten days, just looking forward to this moment. And it was everything. Um, we fed off of that. It was great to see him make his first shot get a dunk, like, uh, just re reassert himself on the floor. It was awesome to see. Well, speaking of that dunk, this was your reaction when that dunk happened. Can you just take us through that moment for you? He was joking. We all asked him, like, how you feel? How's it, how's it going to be out there your first game? He said dunking would be the last thing that he'd be able to show. It was going to take a while, as he said. It took, what, nine minutes uh, for him to get his first dunk, and you could hear the crowd, like, I'm just so happy for him, you know, 900 whatever days, two years, two and a half years. A lot of uh, a lot of work went into tonight, so he got through this one, enjoyed it, and now he can just, you know, keep moving forward. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. And as they keep moving forward, they're moving towards a goal of winning a champion. Okay, you so, working, working, Malik. I see you last night to two nights. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I got my coffee, don't worry. But with a healthy Clay Thompson. Now, Matt, here's the Warriors. Yes. Here's the field. Which one are you taking? I'm taking the Warriors. I think, uh, you know, they've been in the top of the West, really the top of the league the entire year. You, get, you acclimate a healthy clay back, and obviously that's going to continue to be a process. You get a James Wiseman back soon. So this team is legitimately 12, 13 guys deep, although that'll taper down going into the playoffs. You know, this is one of the rare teams that was a dynasty then had some doormat years, but they were able to keep their core together, even bringing Iguodala back to help lead that bench. They revamped the bench, which to me was so important. Clay's going to be himself. And again, another young athletic Wiseman, you know, rim run, knock down open shots, rebound, block shots, protect the paint. I'm taking a healthy Warriors team versus the field. Sounding like a former Warrior. Uh, I do like... A little home cooking. No, but it's true. It's good. It's, I do like how you said doormat. It's like dormant and doormat. They both work there. I like that. Uh, I'm actually taking the field, and not because I don't want to take the Warriors, but I look at the Phoenix Suns. Did you say yes. hater? Did I hear a whisper? Uh, not, because, whisper. not because I don't believe in the Warriors, but I do love the Suns as well. Equally, right now, they have the same record, both 30 and 9. And this team has the one thing that maybe could be an X factor, which has never been, but maybe this is the year that the Warriors don't, and that's a true center in DeAndre Ayton. Meaning, obviously, James Wiseman is in development. Draymond Green holds it down. But if Ayton keeps growing and developing, maybe he could be an X Factor the same way teams potentially could beat him through a Giannis playing through the center or play, through an Anthony Davis when healthy. I mean, they're neck and neck. And so I would say I'm taking the field. I love the Suns. But more so just because, and this is where I said this is my caveat. You Warriors, always have a caveat. The, yeah, I always do. Uh, the Warriors. Warriors, I feel like they want to be the, you know, hunters, right? Not necessarily the hunted. They're reinventing themselves. While they 
are consistently at the top, they're reinventing themselves from their old selves. And I think in that angle, they're sort of like, we're being our best selves right now. We're at the top. Like, we don't want you guys to talk too much about us. We're just going to operate. Next thing you know, you'll see us in the NBA finals. It's just that, like, no pressure type of basketball that right now puts them at the top. And I'm not putting too much pressure on them in the moment. But they also have experience being yes. the hunted. And so this was interesting last night, hearing Steph Curry, hearing Klay Thompson talk about this blend of they have half of the roster that knows what it's like to be hunted, and the other half of the roster is the, the Jordan Pools, the Juan Toscano Anderson, those folks. And also, you said a true center. Excuse me, Kevon Looney had 18 mm. rebounds last she night. That was overlooked a little bit. I just, I you know what I'm saying? Sure I'm, two way can get you two, 17 points per game. The Aiton, Suns no. are dangerous. The Suns are dangerous because they also are coming off of something to avenge, and that that gets a little bit spicy. But you won't know who else knows that they're hunting, and also hunted a little bit of both actually. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. So let's oh, go facts. from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference because here's what the Nets have done since Kyrie Irving made his debut last Wednesday. They beat the Pacers in Indianapolis, right? They overcame a double digit halftime deficit and Kyrie had 22 points in 32 minutes and in the big three they combined for 79 points overall but that was the only game that Kyrie was able to play in because then last Friday they lost by 12 at home to the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks and trailed by as many as 24 points in that game so the Nets had a tough time stopping Giannis and company however they got back to their winning ways on Sunday against the Spurs in overtime. So both KD and James Harden scored over 25 points. But it was Cam Thomas's runner with just over a second left that won them that game. So, Chine, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown here on what Kyrie does to the Nets when he runs? Absolutely. I don't know if we're, like, in the soap generation. I feel like they're, like, the young and the restless or maybe as okay. the world turns. Uh, because literally the Brooklyn Nets, their success is – come with me. Come with me. The Brooklyn Nets, their success is really as the world turns. And specifically for Kyrie Irving, we all know he can ball. But let's break down his play. So, run me my tape, uh, producer Kwaku, baby. Kyrie Irving clearly can play ball. But he first is a bucket. Look at the tight window he has in the pick and roll here. So, Matthew Sabonis, right space. But his hands are down. You know what I say? Man down, baby. So, one, he's a bucket. Two, we all know we're going to get ball handling from him. Look at that behind the back. He's so great at splitting screens, but in this instance, getting between defenders that look like a closed wall and said it's a Euro step. And lastly, you know, we said what? Bucket, ball handling. This man, he's gonna be the man late in games. One-on-one, -on -one, pretend like no one's there. I love how the Brooklyn Nets have everyone's feet outside of three, which means he can play the isolation basketball. And again, he's elite at finishing, you know, at the rim. So Kyrie Irving, I was very, very surprised in his first time out, how he was able to just adjust from first half to second half. But overall, this is exactly what you get every time. I mean, you're able to have Kyrie on the road. Right, so you had him in Indianapolis, they win face the defending champions at home in the first game since Kevin Durant's toe was on the line. They lose. Then you play the Spurs, a, a team that, you know, they should have beat. So do you think this part-time experiment is working, Matt? This experiment's like a Sour Patch Kid. It's sweet when you got him and it's sour when you don't. Uh, you know, as a fan, Bars. I was excited when I saw him play in Indiana. And then you think, oh, man, they get Milwaukee two days later. But then you think it's back at home on national TV and you don't get Kyrie. Obviously, we see how great this guy is. But I think this is going to be an emotional roller coaster, not only for the team, but the organization moving forward. Because you know you're sitting on the brink of greatness when he is in your lineup and what this team is capable of. But then fast forward to the playoffs, if it stays the way it is, 
to have him only half the games in the playoffs is really, I feel like, going to hurt this team. So, obviously, you're going to take Kyrie wherever you can get him. I'm hoping at some point during the playoffs he'll be able to figure this out and he can play the entire uh, playoffs to really give this team the, the best chance possible. But, again, you got to take Kyrie where you can get him at this point. And, and if it's on the road, uh, another thing, KD mentioned this morning, he's excited to get on the road and get to continue to see his brother and build their chemistry because you got to think this team has only played, what, 10 games with all three of their superstars together. So, <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Fun, but tough when you don't got them. And it feels a little bit early, Cheney, to make a full evaluation because we've seen one game that Kyrie has played in. But one thing is that there are makeup games still happening. And so the, the Brooklyn Nets, they play, and then they play again tonight. So they face the Spurs, and then they have a makeup game at Portland. That is all the way across the country. Okay, so Cheney should, should, yeah, it's brutal, right? But guess who didn't play in that first half of that back-to-back? Kyrie Irving. So, should KD and Harden maybe get relied on a little bit less tonight, Janae? You know, if I am the Brooklyn Nets understanding that the best ability is availability, I would actually think about, especially on the road, now that you have Kyrie back who can go more because he's part-time, maybe you think about resting your stars here and there on the road. Because I think, I mean, look, Matt. Matt is here, not you know, you know, he's shaking his head. But just you know, bear with me for a moment. KD has been putting up superhuman numbers. He's still leading the league in points per game. James Harden, you know, you saw towards the end of last season that hamstring gave out. Unfortunately, if you're trying to avoid that at all costs and win a championship at all costs. I would think on the road, maybe it's one time Kyrie and James, one time it's Kyrie and KD, and then maybe against the Bulls, okay, we're going to get the tree out so you guys get those reps, those necessary games. I think, like you said, it's a difficult position for the Brooklyn Nets front office to be in, but at this point, I would want everyone healthy and available. Now, Kyrie is a little out of control because you don't know his ability, um, you know, based on the COVID protocols, Right. but like, I would be smart with these stars so that they're available. I, I think logistically thinking about it, you, you exactly right. You would want to rest these guys when Kyrie is back, but these guys want to play because they don't get them that much. You know, KD said this morning, you pay me to play. I want to play. I don't want to rest. So right. These guys don't want to rest. They want to play as much with Kai as they can. But I do understand coming down the stretch, you may see points where if it's still the way it is, they, they might even want to rest at home, though, because I just really have a feeling whenever Kyrie Irving is on the basketball court, James Harden and Kevin Durant want to be there with them. There's a balance, right? Because part of the reason they brought Kyrie Irving back, or the way that Sean Marks explained it, is they needed to take some of the yes. load off of James Harden yes. and Kevin Durant, but they also need to build chemistry because we saw that, along with injuries, hurt them in the playoffs. They have 24 road games left. Kyrie Irving is eligible to play in 21 of them. Remember, Toronto, New York can't play in those games. But the Nets are a part of our NBA Wednesday doubleheader. Luca and the Mavs square off against Julius Randle and the Knicks to start us off at 7.30 Eastern. And then Tamar DeRozan and the first place Chicago Bulls. They host the Nets. That's available on ESPN and the app. Coming up, we take a look at the best of the best from the weekend. It's the top of the top. You, NBA Today, after the break. I was going to see if you are going to do that. How do you? With the throwback, huh? Hey. Speaking of throwbacks.
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. All right, let's go to the top of the top, taking a look at some of the best action from over the weekend. And we're going to start with the top brothers, because the Ball Brothers, they were dishing dimes all over the weekend. So first, we have Lonzo. Their feel for the game is second to none. Both him and his brother have just a great basketball IQ and feel for the game. And I... They do their damage in transition. Between his own legs, Janae, Zach Levine. Beautiful. And then, not to be outdone, LaMelo said, excuse me, hold my bag. That was a dime, though. Like, the difficulty was crazy, but, like, perfect placement. Yes. And then the reverse. Yeah, that was, no, that had some sauce on it. And Chris Middleton was just like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to (laughs) just hand it to you. All right, next, we can't do top of the top without doing top dunks. And there was a lot of great dunks over the weekend. First, Carl Anthony Towns turned to action with a hammer with a capital H. He just uh, he doesn't get the love, I think, and respect he deserves. True. I think because he's lost out there in Minnesota. This is better than one of the best, young, uh, not young, I can't even say young, best bigs in the game. That's Absolutely. Uh-oh. Then, get up, Clay. Uh, excuse you, we cannot see that enough. No. Look at Draymond. He Where said, yes, sir. Uh, Clay. And it's on two people. Dude. Like, what? Welcome back, Clay Day, and give me uh, that boost, okay. face. Mm. Yes. Well, and when he landed, I knew he was okay. And then LeBron James. Not to be outdone. He's been he's one player in the history of the game has been in his prime since he started, and he's still in his prime. Facts. Over I saw Jaron Jackson. I saw that social media post, like, in That's the 17. 2000s and yes. 2010s. Oh. This right here. This, I talk about, <laughs> this is armpits on the backboard. <laughs> That's, that's what we're oh. going to call this place. Like, Some people have the value. Uh, we have armpits on the backboard because, my goodness. You almost hit and him. he had to, like, wait. Oh, he had to like his head head to make sure he didn't. All right, lastly, we got to go to top blocks again. Shaw Morant dazzled in L.A. with an insane, we decided it's a block, but I still think it's a block slash steal, and it should count as both. You know the best part about this was he made it a, a turnover. Instead of sulking, he let his team get yep. back. He's like, let me get back. Didn't even think about it. It was let like, let me just sprint. And also, I think it's ironic that you see at the bottom, Russell Westbrook was right there. Two of the most athletic point guards we've seen as of late. So, yeah. Well, and when he does something like that, of course, now he's been honored as the Western Conference Player of the Week. Fred Van Bleet gets the honor. Well deserved. In both. Oh, yes. Both Absolutely. should be all-stars. Oh. Both should be all-stars. Right there, I don't know I, if they'll slide them both in, but hopefully one. <laughs> Those are some top slates, but let's move on to the power rankings. Uh, the Grizzlies, they're still there. So the Warriors and Suns, they lead the way. Bulls, Jazz, Grizzlies rounding out the top five. Cheney. Who is the best team that is not on this list? When I saw this, I was like, where the Bucks at? And now I know, and I'm talking about the money, no, no I'm just kidding, the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> uh, I know that their record does not reflect it per se, but they're just now getting a lot of their guys back. And this is, I mean, what, what they did, we were working. What they did to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I know it's no Kyrie, but I was just super impressed. The way they dominated that game and what, Giannis, he played what? I can't even remember. We were both on it. It was about like 20 minutes, 20 points, 30 minutes, 30 yeah. It was a point per minute, and so I was extremely impressed with them. And I think that soon they'll find their way back into the power rankings. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, just a weekly power rankings based on what you do for the week. Um, I just don't trust the Jazz, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> she took Milwaukee. 
I'm taking Brooklyn. I'm taking Brooklyn again. You know, with KD and, and James for every game, it's still hard to go wrong. And then you add, you know, the Sour Patch Kid, Kyrie Irving, on the road. You wild. And <laughs> this is a scary, scary team. And I'm excited to really start to see them get their chemistry together and, and how special they can be when they're hitting on all cylinders. I just want to point out that the Grizzlies, like you mentioned, these are week by week. They were eight last week Great. and Whoa. they have gone all the way up to nine fifth. games so, in a row right you said yeah nine games in a row so they're a team to continue to watch yes they have a big week coming up that's going to be fun but coming up we are going to talk more about this team the number one team because after clay thompson's debut what are the warriors plans for him on this upcoming road trip ramona shelburne will tell us next on nba Today. yes clay thompson you're a superstar lupe and he's picking his hair up too yeah Rise and shine with SportsCenter live at 7 a.m. Eastern. Everything you need to know from breakout performances to breaking news and analysis. You'll get it on the 7 a.m. SportsCenter live seven days a week. The only way to start your sports day. Welcome back to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews joined by Ramona Cheney. And Matt Barnes. So, Ramona, the Warriors, they're about to go on a four-game road trip. And Clay said as he walked off the floor, this is only the beginning. So, what are yep. the plans for him during that time? Well, I mean, you kind of have to hold Clay back, yes. right? Okay, he <laughs> wants to play. Like, that first play they ran yesterday, he was not supposed to get the ball. Oh, it was, you know he was supposed it to be a decoy, and he was like, no, 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 change it. I want the ball. <laughs> Look at this road trip, though, okay? There's a back-to-back in there at the Bucks and the Bulls. He's probably wow. going to play one of those games. Right now, they're going to try to keep his minutes between 15 and 20 minutes a game. Good luck with that, okay? But but the idea is he's not going to play both parts of a back-to-back. They're going to try to ramp him up because, you know, going into this, they thought he's going to be fine those first few games, give so much adrenaline, but then that's yes. where you really feel it. And, I, and they want to be careful when they get to that spot. I think he exceeded all expectations last night, mm. yeah. probably except his. You know, so the most important, and Ramona touched on, you got to protect Clay from Clay right now. Yeah. So nothing should change in their approach or the way they planned on playing him. Keep his minutes where they're at. We're, we're, we're getting close to the ha- the midway point. They want him to peak going into the playoffs. I think he'll peak before, but I, they want him to peak going in so nothing changes and protect Clay from himself. Cosign, retweet. I'll only say you said 15 to 20 minutes. As long as we get 15 to 20 shot attempts, we're happy. Right. <laughs> He would consider it a success if hey, he didn't get that. He had a loaded clip for 941. We gonna see he it. A lot of in that thing, man. The first, oh. the first segment, he was like, I'm gonna shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Yep. Like, the first Love play, it. He, it was not supposed to be for him. Oh, it was a decoy. All his teammates knew. Yeah. Let me no. just say that. The staff looked at the at the stat sheet at the end of the night, and he said, Yeah, almost a almost a shot a minute. Clay's back. Like, yeah, he's yeah. back. <laughs> so that was a huge game. We have a huge college football game. Tonight, the national championship yeah. between Alabama Maddie. and Georgia tonight on ESPN. Ramona, who you got? I got to go with Bama, man. Come on, it's Nick Saban. I'm going with Georgia just because yeah, my work boo, Mike Golan Jr., told me Georgia, and we root for chaos over here, at least not in our sport. And, uh, yeah, but I still think Bama's going to win. It's hard to go against Bama like it's hard to go against Tom Brady. I got Bama. Can I think Bama and hope Georgia. You're going to pull with me. Yeah, that yeah. Possible? I know. I'm taking a page out of today's book. This is Nick Saban. He's had a month of game plan. Come on. I know. I, I, and, like, it's again, it's you don't bet against LeBron James. You yeah. don't bet against Tom Brady. You don't bet against Nick Saban. It's the Crimson just yeah. not what we do. I'm going to be tuned into that game tonight, yeah, but yeah. I think I've had enough caffeine for the day, so we're going to have to <laughs> go on to something else. Thank you so much for joining us. NFL Live is next, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? 
to vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.